Welcome to the 120th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Terry and Joe Adams moved onto a 20-acre farm near Minnesota's Twin Cities in 2009, no one would have been surprised if they planted a few flowers, pulled out the lawn chairs, and settled in for a well-deserved retirement. After all, Terry is in her late 60s and Joe his early 70s and both have had long and rewarding careers here and abroad. But the energetic couple felt this former dairy farm had much more potential than just as a place to spend their golden years. It's close to Twin Cities suburban markets and sits next to a lake that's home to waterfowl and other wildlife. The couple felt the farm could become not only a source of food, but also a place where people of all ages could see firsthand how farming and a healthy ecosystem can go hand in hand in a region that has been inundated by sprawling development. They went on to establish Marsh Watch Farms, a community-supported agriculture operation that provides a weekly share of fresh produce to eaters during the growing season. But Marsh Watch is more than a CSA. Students, beginning farmers, local officials, and even international guests have visited the farm and learned how land on the outskirts of a major metropolitan area can provide more to the community than just another potential superstore parking lot or subdivision. The Adamses have planted a few acres of produce, established native prairie plantings, and mounted bluebird boxes on fence posts. And the land has responded. Birds, mammals, and even butterflies now flourish. And members of the CSA rave about the quality of the food it produces. I recently visited Marsh Watch and chatted with Terry and Joe about seeing potential in the farm, the importance of combining economics and ecological restoration, and how they've worked to reach out to the community. We also talked about their future plans. I've always been able to see a finished hole before I start in on a project and then figure out how I'm going to get there. And I'm a sailor, and I spend lots of times in different oceans and seas and the Great Lakes, and that's where I feel most at home. And this is the closest I've come to being on Lake Superior in a boat all by myself. I can sit here and just look out over the land. I can imagine what it was like before the first farmer came. I can imagine what it was like when, when the Native Americans that camped on the corner of our farm were hunting geese and, and that type of thing. And I can look down the road and imagine what someone with the energy of little resources and a vision, the next level they can take this to. It's a wonderful feeling to go to bed at night and, and, and know that Whatever we did each day contributes to tomorrow and the next generation. One of the things that you guys are really trying to promote here in this area is this is, we're in Scott County. It's one of the fastest growing counties actually in the country. I've seen some of the statistics. And yet, I think if people get off these main highways, they're shocked at some of the just really great little gems of farms that are around here. And, you know, you talked about how rich some of the soil is here. We have a great opportunity that we're near all these great markets, including the Twin Cities and some of the regional centers for food. And as issues of transporting food becomes a bigger issue and food security, places like this can be so valuable. But but that can be a struggle a little bit in trying to convince local government officials and just local folks that having a farm like this can, that can produce food for local consumption is is valued and, and it, should, it should be something that's supported and, and and not to put barriers in the way of that. Everything we do, and I'm not talking just Terry and I, but any of us do, 
will make a difference. Many times we won't know where or when or how. Being a, I, I'm involved in different agencies within the county and other support groups like, like yours. And together, we can work along with the national media, the international media, to change outlooks. I think the generations that are coming along, due to this recession and due to a lot of problems with banks and real estate and things of this sort, are no longer looking at the big bucks. They're looking at quality of life. So whatever we do today helps those people, gives them a leg up on tomorrow, uh, the future. I see in our own members, they no longer look at a farm as a place to be developed. They look at a farm as a place to walk, to hunt, to fish, bring their family. Every one of those. Uh, we love children laughing on the farm. And when they go running down our snow fence, screaming like they were in a school hallway, it's wonderful. That's the generation that's going to make the difference. Not mine, not Terry's, but the people who are coming behind us. Uh, just on the very uh, practical side, Joe has networked and uh, throughout the county and at various levels and with uh, our elected officials. And we were um, given the opportunity to host uh, an evening event and show the county politicians our farm and our market and give them information about what we're doing and why we're doing it, information about the growing trends of this kind of farming in our country. So that's just one of the things. He's also involved in the water and soil and takes opportunities to meet with editors of newspapers and uh, to get articles out so that this kind of farming and this availability of food grown here in great abundance locally, and now with our hoop house, we're able to start in March and go until December. So, I mean, that's nine months a year, way up here in Minnesota. That's pretty awesome. Those are some of the ways uh, that especially Joe is connecting with others for education, helping to secure this kind of lifestyle and land for the next generation to be able to have more of this in, in greater bounty. Uh, yeah, and you, the, the message it seems like you're really trying to get out when you bring out school groups or have officials come out or whatever is this idea that a farm and, say, wildlife habitat or you know, environmental sustainability go hand in hand that there aren't two separate things, that you don't just have nature over here in a refuge or a nature preserve and a farm here, that they, these things really uh, meld together. They really dovetail. It seems like something you guys really uh, have worked on. Yes, and part of that is in small-scale farming, especially those that are involved in sustainable farming, having things in balance is is the key. For instance, in just three years, we have found five different types of butterflies that weren't here when we bought this farm. We have trumpeter swans who have moved into our lake now. We see turkeys and we see pheasants. We don't think of them as crop raiders. We think of them taking back some of their just due. And uh, another practical aspect of this is we put in a living snow fence to keep the snow off the highway to help, you know, all the people who use this highway. But in turn, that also keeps the trucks from uh, coming, having to come by here, polluting and spreading more salt that gets in, ends up in our groundwater and in our land. Living snow fence is a wonderful um, sanctuary for pheasants and other animals in the wintertime. 
and provides them, and the prairie restoration beside it provides them with a lot of seeds and uh, food. So even a, during a very difficult snowy winter like last year, we still had a lot of pheasants around all winter. And so, yes, it all kind of fits together. I hope you won't be offended by me saying this, but you two aren't spring chickens. I mean, you you look very good for your age, but uh, I know, Joe, you're 71 and you're 66, Terry. This is a time of year, time in people's lives when they often are slowing down, but you guys are really taking on some pretty big projects here. And uh, I know you said you, you're kind of looking a few years down the road. You know you can't be doing this forever. But talk a little bit about that, how you, you really want, it seems like you really want to be a, a role model for getting something like this going, which is not low labor. It's not something where you can sit around. Energy comes from having a vision, and the vision um provides us with such clear direction, not just at the mega level, but every day. You know, we can bounce out of bed in the dark because, ooh, the chickens are waiting for me for, you know, fresh water and feed, and I get to go gather the eggs, and we got to get all these things done because, you know, these folks are coming, and this has to be harvested before the sun comes up and, you know, and gets too warm. And so it gives us a tremendous amount of energy. That, plus eating off of our farm and eating all these fresh vegetables, we don't get sick. We don't have colds. We don't have. We don't get flu. We neither one of us can remember the last time we had any kind of problem. We don't go to doctors. We don't need them. Yes, some of that is the blessing of genes, but a lot of it is the, is just what we simply choose to eat. And we get our exercise. It's all built in. And yes, our bodies uh, do get tired. But when you have um, What's the old saying? When you have a, a reason why, you can always find the energy. For me, it all fits together. And uh, after our years of traveling other countries and around our country, we have met many people much older than we are doing phenomenal things in their 70s, 80s, and into their 90s. Yes, it's a time of life when we, we want a siesta in the afternoon, and it really feels good but also we can still contribute a lot because we have years and years of experiences and knowledge. In our case, Joe's whole background is in, uh, well, we both have a farm background, but his his is also professional is in uh, marketing and photography and the whole visual. And mine is in, and his also is in education and cooking. And mine is in uh, the education, the people development. I guess I've been in development my whole life. And so plant development and working my 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 partners used to be executives in corporations where I did executive coaching and team building and now my partner is mother nature and boy is she some teacher and some you know some partner that I really have to study a lot and learn a lot from so it's such a gift. Every day is such a blessing. And then on top of it we have all these wonderful new people that we're learning from in agriculture, in soil nutrition, and then there's all of our customers that we're learning so much from in terms of how they want, what they want food for. We have mothers who are now making their own baby foods, people coming up with recipes and uses for kale, especially that I have never, ever dreamed of. And so it's so energizing to be, and we feel so privileged to be part of this big circle of energy and new ideas, and best of all, that it's all natural. It's all in keeping with Mother Nature, with with the alignment of the stars, with God, with however you might want to name that. Well, you you brought up your your background in corporate America, and and one of the things I think you, you mentioned earlier was 
because of that background, you realized how important it is to, it's one thing to say you want to live this lifestyle and, uh, and have this, but in this case, it can be supported economically because there is a market out there. You, you realize the importance of marketing and, and, and getting economic viability out of it. Yes, that's extremely important part of it. We need lots of partners in this, and the market is one great big partner. So every person who chooses to buy local, to buy fresh, to buy uh, chemical-free foods is truly voting with their feet and supporting this kind of environment and this kind of opportunity to be in their neighborhood for, for their kids and for future generations. We're not doing this just because we enjoy it. We're also doing it because it's a business enterprise, and that takes lots of partners. There are technical partners, our soil scientists, and all the people who are teaching us about equipment and plastic mulches and our hoop house and all those kinds of things. But there's but another key component is our, our partners in, in uh, who want our products. How do you kind of sit in here now? How do you you've accomplished? I mean, the last three years have been kind of a whirlwind for you guys. Accomplished a lot. Looking five, ten years down the road, what do you, how do you see, what do you see this farm? Where do you see it at? We're um, studying different scenarios. One of which is to sell this farm to someone that can afford it and continue what we're doing. Another scenario is to find a family that wants to continue this and buy on a CD or something of that sort. Third is to uh, find an organization and donate the farm to as an educational and training facility. Or the other is to stay here and as we wear down, slow down uh, type of thing. But, you know, getting back to that uh, at our age, what are we doing? This is my third time out of retirement. A very good film called The... uh, Thomas Crown Affair has a great line in, and the line is, what the hell else is there to do? <laughs> and we don't know how to do anything halfway. We jump into everything we do. We make Once we make a commitment, we do the best we can. We've left a trail behind us of people all over the world who have grown and profited from not only our efforts, but our connections. Another hope or vision we have is that we could mentor someone an employee or whatever the relationship might be, but mentoring the next generation in how to do this and how to um, benefit from this economically as well as, you know, benefit the community so that we would stay on in some capacity, whether we have sold the place or whether we're renting or whether whatever that is, that we are actively engaged in transferring knowledge uh, and everything that we know to, to the next interns or whoever they might be. For more information on Marsh Watch Farms, see www.marshwatchfarms.com. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member... Visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.